Welcome back to The Remote Life. My name is Han Torwitt, also known as Han Meets World, and today we'll be chatting with Sophie Bailey. Originally from the UK, Sophie is co-founder and CEO of Worktrip, a company that produces team off-sites that build connection, culture and creativity. In this episode, we talk about off-sites and what leaders need to know about them, as well as the UK remote life industry and how destinations can benefit from off-sites also. So grab a coffee, a tea or something stronger and let's get started. Sophie, welcome to the Remote Life Podcast. How are you today? Yeah, I'm very good. Thank you, Han. It's Monday, which uh, is fine. It's a good thing. I'm uh, raring to go after a lovely weekend with some family and uh, yeah, great to be here. Thank you. Yeah, it's been great to have you here. How long has it it's been? A while since we last saw each other running remote, right? How did you find all that? I really loved the event. It was, as you know, in a like fantastic location, and you know mm. we have beautiful weather, and it's always a real experience when you get people together who perhaps some of those people know each other and some don't, but you're all there for like a common purpose and to thrash out what this new way of working looks like Mm. yeah you know it was a it's always a a good opportunity to get stuck in in Lisbon and enjoy what Lisbon has to offer so I especially enjoyed uh there's a fantastic company called uh, I think they're called Go Tours but anyway they were Mm. they organized a run on one of the mornings so we had a fabulous run uh along the waterside there and taking in some of the sites of Lisbon as well so yeah good stuff it did look amazing. I wish I was somebody who like enjoyed running because that would have, I'm sure, been such an amazing like opportunity to network with people while seeing obviously such a beautiful city. So yeah, it's a view for that. <laughs> um, we'll talk more about like, what you've been up to a bit further into the podcast, but should we kick things off straight away and just tell us a bit more about you and like your remote life journey so far? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm firmly in the geriatric uh, millennial categories. <laughs> Uh, you know, it, it's it. I guess I kind of it blows my mind that some of this, you know, wasn't around when we were younger. And so, a sort of uh, my kind of parallel there would be, you know, our parents telling us when they got their first television and that kind of thing. But I was I was thinking about this in in prep for this podcast, and I was thinking that I think it was around. 2012 2013 when so I was working in an events company so putting together researching conceiving and developing brands for big areas of technology so you know where technology intersected with different what we would call then industry verticals so whether that was healthcare or how we organize our cities or you know how we pay for things and um, I remember once coming into this office and the CEO standing up saying like, you know, we've we've got your laptops now and uh, don't forget to bring them in when you come to work, which is quite funny because, of course, as soon as you have a laptop and you realise, well, you know, especially in that business, you're you're travelling a fair amount. Well, actually, well, why, you know, why the, the questions start to naturally come, like, why would I? always come in and actually I'm feeling quite tired from that last event we did so what if I could just actually finish this at home and that kind of thing so that was kind of like early experience and then to roll forward to 2016 very similar story to many people so I had my first child in 2014 I was listening to podcasts at the time to keep up with the sector that I was working in. So I was uh, in the educational technology sector and I would push 
my son around in his pram and and whilst he was asleep listening listening to different podcasts around edtech to keep up to date and basically what happened was when that maternity leave came to the end I went back for six months I was sort of commuting an hour each way getting dragged into meetings that I didn't really feel like that I needed to be in and essentially having quite a stressful existence of like leaving the house at half six, being the first person leaving the office and all the politics around that. And then picking up my son who was really hangry for like an hour of time with him, which, which didn't feel right just to put him to sleep and start working again. So, so basically all of that came to a head and yeah, I quit my job. And in fact, I launched a podcast and that evolved into something that could pay the bills um, happily. And, you know, that was very, very much a a remote experience. So that was for the last sort of um, previous seven, eight years. And that meant that I could work three days a week, earning the same amount of money pro rata as my employed job. And Mm -hmm. I got to travel. I took myself out to South by Southwest and recorded there. I was moderated panels in Beijing and got to experience and live and work all over the shop, but also on the day-to-day have lots of time in and around my family. So yeah, that was a very happy experience. And then just very quickly, I kind of got to the end of that coming out of out of lockdown. And I was kept like, okay, you know, I've done this for for seven years. And by that point I'd had a lockdown baby as well. And I was kind of thinking, well, what's next? And I'd consolidated what was the, you know, really amazing fact of when I brought people together through events. And then, you know, also this amazing benefit of working remotely and and in this new world where so many more people are experiencing this, how do you kind of sustain it over the longer term? So that became the the new idea bubbling around and uh, what eventually evolved into WorkTrip as well. That's really awesome. I I love how I'm hearing about different people's journeys and it's just so interesting how so much of it kind of in some format revolves around flexibility of work and mm-hmm. being able to choose your lifestyle. So it, yeah, that was, that's really exciting and so inspiring, but yeah, obviously work trip. Let's, let's talk about work trip. Tell us about it and how did it come to be formed? Yeah, so ex- exactly that. So like the just to go in a bit deeper, so the first 10 years of my career were in business uh, technology events. And so I've always been really interested and loved, you know, the idea of how you convene people, how you bring them together, how that's done in a way that makes their kind of heart sing as opposed to their, you know, people close up. Mm-hmm. And I think we've got better at that as the years have rolled past and we've kind of discarded the bits of traditional work or like very formal environments that don't particularly always serve us well. Mm. And then, you know, like I, like I mentioned, the last seven years were running a podcast and that was all around educational technology and innovation in learning. And through that experience, I noticed this trend from this kind of technology will save us ethos, which is very much Silicon Valley, like how do we throw technology at the problem and everything else will be solved? Like that's that's how we're going to solve everything. Mm-hmm. To a little bit more of a sophisticated understanding that life is messy and 
And actually, sometimes we need to slow down in order to get to our best ideas. And we, yes, it's amazing. We can access so much information and opportunity online, but also there's a sort of limit to that. So we saw during the pandemic that it was amazing that we could all, you know, or or, or not all of us, but a large proportion of us could access remote work and and our children could continue their learning or we could continue our learning at university online. But the sort of social aspect, the the ability to hug one another, all of those almost sometimes quite intangible things really count for something. And so I was, you know, I'd been doing the podcast for seven years. I absolutely loved it, developed amazing community, but I was kind of also thinking, right, what what does the next seven to 20 years look like and what's the challenge that I want? And so I was reflecting on the fact that, you know, I have this experience in, in events and bringing people together. I'm interested in how that's evolved and I'm interested in how, if we're going to work in distributed teams, and I noticed that, you know, many of those best distributed teams do use offsites, mm. then how do we create something that serves those teams to do that in the best way? So, you know, that could be making sure that there's a sort of intention behind why, why, they, why they are meeting. But also when I spoke to a lot of potential customers in my sort of research phase of the idea, lots of them said, you know, their own experience was sort of bouncing around a lot of consumer facing websites. So the websites that we might choose to go on a kind of group meeting with our friends, but isn't necessarily the same one we would use for a company organizing an offsite. And what is happening now is people are meeting more frequently. So the this task of organizing an offsite is having a higher business priority. It's suddenly quite more of a critical investment in the organization. It's happening more frequently, but the people that execute it don't get any more time. So how? what if we could create a, a kind of um, infrastructure for them that helps them do this in a really creative, imaginative and impactful way and goes beyond the idea of just booking a venue, which um, was kind of like the predominant experience to date so that was the idea and I'm kind of like a I don't know a year and a half or slightly more in and uh, yeah it's been lots of fun and uh, lots of learning to date so Mm. yeah that's the backstory (laughs) yeah and just for people who might not necessarily know what an offsite is do you want to walk us through like Mm. maybe sort of a day in a vague day in the life of what an offsite is yeah absolutely so Basically, imagine everything you think you know about team building and especially the bits that make you cringe and then sort of rip that up, rip that up and start again. And for me, the offsite has certainly evolved out of this predominance of distributed work. So if we imagine even, you know, every, all of that's on a spectrum of different versions of hybrid, pure remote on the other end. But as a result you will want to be getting your team together probably quarterly Mm. and it may be different depending on the size of the team and this doesn't have to be like a whole company endeavor so it may be that for example your sales and marketing team are meeting or your senior leadership team are meeting but um so imagine I don't know anywhere a number between sort of 20 and 50 people getting together meeting in a neutral location for us, we always try and encourage 
environment as like a very important factor in all this. So rather than perhaps the old world of like a conference hotel that, yes, they're very efficient, but is that the thing that's going to set your employees' hearts alight and motivate them and give them that sense of unique belonging aligned with the culture of your organization? Probably not. So we try and find like incredible venues set in nature um, that are still really accessible from um, airports or other um, transport links. And an offsite really is a chance for those teams to get together to cultivate that sense of connection and belonging. And, you know, we're not of the mindset that you cannot develop that remotely, but we just view an offsite as a way to give you that, you know, additional boost. And so if you have that opportunity, why why not take it? Because your competitors certainly will as well. So yeah, so you're getting together, you, you found this fantastic location. Um, crucially, I think the old world would be let's pack this whole day full of content because we've got to make the most of the opportunity cost of everyone being here. And then the new world is very much actually we're we're here. We don't get to spend this time together on a daily basis. So this is really special and precious time. So predominantly the the scheduling should be around uh, opportunities for teams to connect, to have a bit of unscheduled time to really uh, get to know one another. And so you may have a good portion of, of, of the programming dedicated to that with lots of opportunities. For example, we love like long table lunches where people can really connect over, over that experience. And then the other thing is, is like, you know, absolutely recognizing the, the kind of diversity of your team. So for some people, those experiences supercharge their batteries. For others, they'll have a bit of that and then they'll need their own time. So being mindful of factoring in lots of like options uh, in your in your program as well. So I would say a mixture of, I mean, we have five different categories on work trip, but connection and belonging is a big one. There are other reasons and scenarios that companies or teams get together. So for example, if there's been a merger and two different cultures are kind of integrating, that's quite often a time that you need to build the kind of psychological safety of those two teams in order to perform at your best effect. Another one would be onboarding. So we know that it can be challenging to onboard people remotely. And so perhaps every quarter you kind of get those new starters and bring them together and allow them to to kind of really make the most of of meeting as well. And then there's things like pre board meeting for senior leadership teams, quite often one where they'd get together, connect, get aligned, work out what the new drivers are. And and again, can be kind of forward planning and goal setting as well. So there's a whole range of scenarios, but the the main thing for us is, um, is very much like recognizing the value in bringing the team together, number one, in a natural environment, and then really focusing on the team as opposed to individually. So that doesn't mean that we don't personalize our programs. We absolutely do. But, you know, really recognizing that our our kind of worldly, social and business challenges are interconnected. So we need to kind of really develop interconnected thinking in our teams as well. But yeah, whether we call them offsites, corporate retreats, company retreats, there's so many different terms. 
But I think it's just, yeah, recognizing that value of bringing people together and it not being purely in a, in a meeting room or environment that it's kind of like the, the commitment to the deeper thinking. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're not there to just kind of underline existing thinking and then go home. It's a space and time outside of the task driven nature of our, of our work to do some uh, sort of deeper thinking as well. It sounds a bit more intentional than say like what 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 has been my experience of corporate <laughs> team building as well. I know that the like two times I think I ever was part of um, those kind of activities. It was uh, yeah, I, I I got like they were trying to do something, but I know for myself I came away and was like, what did I get from this? Like in terms of my professional development, yeah. or like I think I think that's important, right? Because we know that like. I know there's a sort of stereotype in these demographic labels, but if we use the Gen Z label for a moment, we know that younger people in our workforce are really, really hungry, especially for upskilling. They're really hungry Mm -hmm. for opportunities to develop and and to continue to, to develop. And, you know, rightly so, because they will be smart and will be looking at uh, the volatility of like the technological landscape that they're facing um, you know, the challenges economically. And so they want to equip themselves with their very best chance of of navigating that world. And from a business point of view, it makes absolute sense in terms of offsites as well, because we don't want this attrition of soft skills. We don't want this attrition of how to uh, stand up and speak publicly and whether with clients or internal comms or whatever it is. And then on top of that, you'll have all of these, you know, fast-changing technical skills as well. And so the offsite in that way can be a, a employee benefit in terms of, you know, we're, we're showing you a commitment to this model of working. Um, and this is about investing in you and, you know, you're able to um, experience the best of flexible and distributed working, but also we're going to make sure that that doesn't just mean you're you're out there and that's it, that we will really kind of hold you as a a really key part of this team and you know that you'll be brought to get back together regularly but like also be able to benefit from the best of of that world as well so yeah I think sometimes that old world of perhaps like segue riding and um (laughs) all of that stuff I find it it's like deeply embarrassing because it, it completely undervalues yeah like the contribution the collective intelligence of the workforce so Mm. Yes, we want these incredible, amazing experiences, but it's really about cultivating the ones that that person's going to hold in high esteem, both in terms of like you gave them this opportunity to continue to travel and connect socially, but also to improve themselves, like to to kind of develop and challenge themselves. So I think that's the sweet spot that we like to get into. I think there's also a lot to be said for remote teams and having social time together because I, I know for myself, if I hadn't, for with a few clients that I work with now, yeah. if I, had, for example, say being on actual calls where I could see their face or like yeah. actually had a one-to-one or like in a smaller setting call with them, I wouldn't know how to take their then online communication, for example, say on Slack. And I feel like there's a lot to be said from just spending time with each other even if it is like one to two days every quarter yeah I'm so fascinated by this idea and obviously we all we've all read like the studies about body language and what percentage is 
inferred from this, that, and the other. And my two kind of nerdy um, examples are going back to running remote. So when people post on LinkedIn, nine times out of 10, it's like extremely edited. They're triangulating. What will I say that hits with my intended audience that will go well with this, that, you know, and then weighing up all of these things, working out what image to use, all of that. And you get a kind of like a palatable version of what they're saying usually. And then when you meet a running remote, you have those back channel conversations, you have the after hours and you find out what really people are motivated by and what they think. And that's why I sort of love podcasts because I think the best ones capture that same kind of uh, radio signal of, of, of what people are really thinking when, when they're done well. And then, you know, to the same effect, I went to Glastonbury recently and I, and I was kind of reflecting on when you hear a produced song and a recorded version versus when you hear a live music version of that song. And partly the brilliance is in the imperfection. It's in the fact that they might play a note slightly differently, that they're, they've got this kind of wild interaction between the crowd and the act on stage. And it's, un, you know, it's rehearsed, but then unrehearsed at the same time. Mm. And so I think those two examples sort of are why I think it's so important because otherwise everything can feel a little bit two-dimensional. And as I say, it can become task-driven because, you know, it's, it's one of the best things about working remotely on a distributed team. You can get on with your work in a way that you're not constantly interrupted, hopefully, if you've got your culture and like operating system all set up correctly. But then you should also create moments which are about that, like about that interruption and about that, that ability to just connect in a way that isn't rehearsed or one-to-one. So yeah, I think, I think there's, there's merit in both. And it's like previously, it's been way too weighed towards the form, like that constant interruption, which is, which is not great either. So yeah, that's my, that's my waffle. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's definitely super useful. We're definitely in an interesting time. I wonder personally, like how much the, the pandemic has kind of also pushed this is the fact that at the end of the day, we are still like social beings and, mm-hmm. Even like, you know, people who enjoy being, you know, by themselves as opposed to stay in the office with like lots of people around them, there is an element of coming together as a team and making just have that kind of co- cohesiveness and creating that kind of yeah. opportunity for, for that bonding with your team on another level. And I think it's, I wonder if like the pandemic has maybe pushed that a little bit more because we literally were isolated like for so long. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I have, I I think it's a, I have like mixed feelings on it because Mm. I think that we are, we've turned away from having to get all of that connection from our team to having the time to do more in our own communities. So maybe we've got more time to care for people or do a project locally or, you know, so there's, there's kind of like knock on benefits. But from a a team point of view, absolutely. You know, I like the people talk about like teams being like we're family and but I prefer the idea that it's like a sports team. So you're mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and partly that is about cultivating this real sense of like shared history and collective moments and memories and what that, you know, how that converts into a sense of sort of culture as well and and the fact that you will uh, have each other's back in different moments. And becoming the best in the league. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly <laughs> that. So, yeah, no, I think, that, I think the pandemic did do that. It, it, it kind of, it just gave us this moment to go, you know, if we're going to re-architect work, what serves us and what doesn't? And what do we want to turn up the volume on? And what do we not want to, um, you know, what do we want to turn down, essentially? And, uh, mm. you know, you're still seeing that that play out now. Um, and I think it's the the discussion and the challenge and the noise comes from the fact that it's completely different for all of us because we're in different stages of our lives. We have different life experiences and yeah, therefore we don't all experience this in the same way. But I do think the, the, both the business and the individual and social benefits of distributed teams are going to mean that's an increasing element of how we work and therefore we need to kind of think about or how do you how do you really sustain that longer term and so that's why we believe there's an opportunity for uh for work trip in terms of supporting that over the longer term as well we're definitely i think in a very interesting time because i think um obviously the whole get back into the office thing is creeping back into the news again Mm. and i think we're in a very interesting time where it's almost like you know things won't always it was never going to go back to how it was you know four years yeah but we're in such an interesting time now where we do get to literally rewrite the rules and look at how could the you know the work life be moving forward so I think it's such an interesting concept to then be having you know work trip for example coming in and being a part of how we could you know what the team life could look like next as opposed to say having to do things like one way fits all that we've been doing for such a long time. Exactly that. And I think outside of all these uh, orthodox camps of, you know, remote only or office first, I think, yeah, my, I have no problem with this idea of flexibility, like autonomy and connection that's been spoken about. And I think that's the thing. And I, I truly believe in it because everyone has challenges in their lives and many of us have sort of experienced them once you get to this grand old age and those moments would be infinitely more difficult if you have to if you have to kind of squeeze them into this framework which is frankly ludicrous like it doesn't it just doesn't make any sense when it's when it's so so sort of top down mm. and so that's why I really believe in in this work, world of work, and it's then about how do we make sure that we don't lose out on on the best bits of like coming together, of travel and adventure, and this true commitment to sort of peer to peer learning as well. And like I said before, you know, it's not that you can't do some of that stuff online. You can, but it's just a different. It's just a different level of experience. So yeah. It's uh, it's exciting times, I think. Yeah, I think it's about, it's going from sort of, again, this sort of one way of doing things to, okay, how, can I, this, I don't mean this quite literally, but it is, because something I would champion, it's about understanding how your team can best produce results and going from there versus going, okay, well, we've done this for X amount of decades now. This is how, oh, yeah. like, 
we spoke to a really interesting company. They had a good way. They they talked about, you know, we don't really mind how you work, but it has to be customer first, mm. then team first, and then you. And I thought that was quite interesting because there's been a lot of discussion around like what I want. And and actually if you reorder it in that way, you can still work and you can still benefit from lots of the distributed team elements, but it, it is different also depending on are you part of the customer service team? Are you part of the sales team? So yeah, there's these different frameworks to approach it. I really liked Chris Hurd's reflections at Grow Remote in Ireland recently, you know, and he was he was really kind of challenging everyone in the audience not to be complacent that this is now a given, that, you know, there's um, a lot of lobbying going on, obviously, to to kind of get people back to cities, but also to recognise that, you know, don't kind of give too much credence to the big tech headlines because they are in this absolutely unique position of massive cash liquidity and therefore being able to demand like, actually, we'll pay you this much, but you have to come in every day. 99.9% of companies are not in that position and therefore are more interested in how they can use different levers to attract talent uh, and for their own like cost reduction, overheads and agility. So yeah, the headlines are sometimes a bit distracting in terms of the scale of what we're talking about versus, you know, where we're ending up. I think what is quite interesting is, you know, Nick Bloom talks a lot about sort of settling somewhere in between and hybrid. But what's quite interesting about that is you do then lose some of the benefits of attracting talent from wherever if then you have to go back into the office a few days a week because, you know, you're naturally going to end up more tied to that location again. So I think I think my own stance on it is let's see of the companies of the future that are getting set up, you know, what is their kind of trajectory? Like, are they getting set up remotely? And then does that change as they hit like a traditional kind of scale up stage? Do they start doing that normal, what was normal thing of buying office space or do they carry on? And I think, you know, so so in like five to 10 years time, we'll have a really interesting view on on those new stuff, like post-pandemic startups and, and, and what that looks like. And I think that's going to be really interesting to sort of determine where things land ultimately. Definitely. I think also there is a certain, I think there's probably a pressure of some sort for a lot of people to feel like they must go like all in on remote as well. And I feel mm. like it just also mentioned that like it, just because it is currently something that looks kind of a bit flashy on social media um it's also of course like the whole point is not is that it's not for everybody and it's just about again championing and highlighting that everybody's sort of way of working is is different it is individual yeah it's about aligning with those companies that also highlight that i guess and figuring that out for yourself too but we mentioned, I just wanted to touch upon this because obviously you mentioned um, a couple of events you're doing and obviously like if people have hopefully distinguished um, where we're from at this point, that we're both from the UK, um, have a background in the UK industry and we sort of touched upon this when we first had a virtual coffee. Hmm. But we talked about the remote work space like an industry in the UK. Do you think, like, what are your thoughts on that? 
then do you think there is a remote work like industry specifically in the UK? Uh, it's, it's a really interesting idea. My my true answer is I do, I'm not, I don't know. My observations are that we have a legacy of office first success stories. So, you know, whether that's from companies like Innocent Smoothies or whatever, like, you know, you can, you can, mm. everyone can kind of visualize the big iconic buildings that represent UK industry, which is interesting in and of itself. And I think, whereas I think the com- the countries that are really booming with remote and being agile around their digital nomad visas and all of this, perhaps didn't have that same footprint in offices and in, in industry in, in that way and international connections, et cetera, and therefore sort of leapfrogged that situation and put a flag in the sand to say, you know, we're here for remote and we're going to really develop around that. Whereas we've got this tension because it's how do we serve this decades of industry and hundreds of years of industry whilst also recognising this opportunity. So I think... That's interesting. I think there is a lot of the visuals and optics around remote are, you know, bright blue skies, beaches, hot weather. (laughs) And the pandemic has done a lot for kind of staycations and for recognising the true, truly beautiful countryside and opportunity we have here. So I live in the southwest, so I'm kind of surrounded by that whole thing of you know people coming to enjoy that so I think it is it is sort of it it is and will slowly change but it's um it's a different flavor Mm -hmm. and I think what you'll end up with is this sort of interchange which we've probably always had to some extent between uh travel in the UK across Europe uh from you know companies perhaps with their headquarters in New York or in America coming here and obviously you've got different teams distributed all over but as a result you'll get this kind of interplay between them but uh yeah it's it's certainly different it's more I would say there's more like a co-working network as opposed to perhaps anything anything too different to that and again that's partly also size perhaps you know no I agree um I think I definitely I suppose in the UK it feels a bit more sort of like it's the communities and the industries are almost literally that first and then remote kind of comes into it like if you walk into a co-work space um in say London I feel like a lot of it's geared more towards say like tech startups or creative mm. industries or for people who absolutely live in a specific city like I was surprised at how many Selena co-living spaces there are in the UK now like, there was one that opened up in Margate of all places and Ken like don't get me wrong I love Margate but it was such a random place to then find this co-living all of a sudden yeah um on the coast of Kent and then um, there are a couple I believe in Manchester now so it's just it's interesting how these have popped up but they don't have the same sort of buzz and well, you know, that I would say I've experienced from, say, Mexico City or Lisbon or these other places that are a bit more what we would now class as more digital nomad cities. 
I completely agree that there is definitely I'm so glad you touched upon staycations because that's something that I know for myself I get asked a lot like where is the best like destination to go as a digital nomad and I always say to people no try staying away from home it's somewhere that's down the road from your own home right now first to just see if that is what you would rather do because it you know if you want to go sit on a beach for example take a holiday take a vacation but if you like want to actually do this thing it's actually about having us you know trying this out for yourself first and figuring out where fits best for you and your personality first so I think oh definitely I'm so glad you touched upon staycations first because I think yeah although maybe we don't have the loudest remote work industry I think there's definitely some elements that could maybe be taken away from the experience of remote work and life in the UK yeah and it's you know we we won a government grant last year to research into the value of corporate bookings for rural for rural accommodation providers essentially and so it's sort of like the rung down from the top players who are always going to do really well and this whole band of like incredible family run uh places that could benefit from this kind of midweek boost so it's all the all the things we've heard a million times over now um in different locations but you know, that does become very interesting because you sort of flatten out this boom and bust of consumer tourism that we have very much in this country. And, you know, potentially you can create a sort of year round employment and you can create all of this alternative economy across a whole year, as opposed to just sort of this really intense experience of like the summer. And then it's like absolutely dead. So yeah, it's an exciting time. And I think there's so much more that can be done. And there are people, people kind of committed to that. And, you know, I think it's, it's, we'll see the dots start to join over the next couple of years as well. Yeah, I like that you mentioned that. I think, could you elaborate a little bit more on like how you maybe think that um, destinations like even the UK, like and the UK markets could benefit from offsites and workations? Yeah, I mean, I think what we found in that research was just that quite often those providers, perhaps there's something in the back of their head telling them, you know, there's a bit of an opportunity here, but they they don't have either the resource, the time, the tweak to their business model, the outside seasonal staff to to execute on it. And so you know, for us, there's, we, you know, we're a, we're a kind of community business. And so we obviously speak to our customers, but we also curate our sort of supplier community. And we um, have in our articles of association in our, in our business, a commitment to the B Corp principles. So, you know, we are committed to diversity, but also the sustainability of our supplier community. So, you know, identifying them, and then helping to present them to the right customers and shorten that that process when they may have 20 years experience you know speaking to uh consumer customers is is an interesting proposition and i think the the sad fact of the matter is that with climate change as well there will, will be a, a shift in the weather and so it does open up different opportunities for some of those providers as well and I think the other trend that we're seeing is like a we had an article in Skift and it was like the old world was definitely these kind of 
all hands where you get like hundreds or even thousands of your employees together. And it's more based around visuals rather than, you know, perhaps true connection. Whereas I think what we're seeing is sort of a, a, um, a delegation down to the team level of teams getting together and connecting. And so perhaps it's maybe smaller little fiefdoms of, of people getting together, but it is very much about that lateral connection building. And once that starts to happen, it really unlocks um, some of these incredible like venues set in nature across the United Kingdom. And, you know, some of them can feel quite re- remote, but still be very accessible to cities. And then others like Kabila down in Cornwall are perhaps a bit further afield, but like incredible thought gone into how they're presented and what the experience is that is provided. So, yeah, I think it's a positioning thing and and a chance to kind of extend all that incredible work that's already been done because we you know we we have a great position in tourism like internationally as on a consumer level but um yeah let's let's kind of shine a light on what that might mean when we convene teams as well nice and one final question what is one thing team leaders need to know about offsites <laughs> apart from do it <laughs> i think I would applaud the world, the words of um, Chase Warrington and others at Running Remote when they talked about challenging economic times, but they put lines through other things in the budget, but not their offsites because they they felt that it was such a protected investment, and and actually it was like really crucial to the, and actually it was really crucial to like the running of the organisation. So I think it would be invest in them. And you don't have to do it all yourself. So, you know, whether it's using a marketplace like like Worktrip that is free, but helps you with some new ideas and being intentional, or you work with us or other partners in terms of taking some of the aspects off your hands, like it is a highly complex task. So, you know, think about how you can break that down and as a result, like give time to the bits that will take it beyond what you did last time as well. So, but yeah, otherwise just a huge uh, round of applause because it's, um, it's no mean feat and, but you'll, you'll hopefully see that in the, in the fantastic, uh, we, I heard one speaker at Grow Remote talk about, you know, after doing offsites, their NPS score just like went through the roof. So, you know, hopefully the dividends will come in, in in how your team connect and feel a sense of belonging to your business as well. So, um, yeah, we salute team leaders. Nice. And the final thing, fill in the blank, home is where? Oh, I love this. Well, obviously home is where the heart is, but what does that mean? So for me, home is where my crazy family are so my lovely husband and my two two boys and our cat <laughs> mm. but also you know obviously you've got to have a laptop you've got to have brilliant music getting you through the day probably a bicycle bicycle's a big one and yeah just the great outdoors and any any combination of those things in any various part of the world and good food is uh is is good with me good food is always a must um sophie thank you so much for being on the remote life it's been great to chat thank you so much han and uh yeah hope you have a fantastic rest of your day as well likewise
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Remote Life and thank you, Sophie, for taking the time to speak with us. You can find links to Sophie's profiles below. Thank you so much again for listening and we can't wait to remote work with you again soon.